0: think we've got better plans than God, that um, the creator of the universe needs our help. Um, He invites us as children to help like like a father would invite a child to help them do some yard work when it's actually because their child actually causes more trouble then they help, but he wants us with us. I, um, I want to ask this question as we start off this morning. I should say, good morning, family. Um, ha- have you ever really given yourself to something uh, in, in hopes of a return, a good return, a reward? Maybe an athletic Something you you really worked at, and you know, then you came to the end of that for a reward. And sometimes the reward you will never you don't you don't regret the effort you put in to getting it because the reward was wonderful, and you'll have it with you. Whether it's um you know whether it's just a feeling of of satisfaction, of achievement, of um you know maybe something physical reward, or or, or maybe you got there and the reward, well, it was like, I think I wasted my time. It wasn't as good as I thought it was gonna be. I gave my effort, I put my energy to it, I sacrificed, and what I got out of it, I could have I could have done something better. Could have done something better with my time. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about a reward that that we are offered by God that you'll never regret. In fact, you will always think that that reward far exceeded anything that you put into it fully. And it is actually the reward that comes by a certain kind of faith that the Bible describes. And we're in Hebrews chapter 11, in our study. And so if you want to follow along, we're going to look at verses 1 through 10, but I want to jump ahead first of all to verse number 6, then we'll we'll go back to the top of the chapter and go on through it. Hebrews 11:6. But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. Would you say that with me? God is a rewarder. God offers a reward. It's interesting that God actually entices us with 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 the prizes at the end. We, we often think of, in fact, you've heard people say, well, we, want, we ought to serve God just because of who he is. And that is true, right? Just because of who God is, we ought to serve him. We ought to, he, he deserves our life fully, not only because of who he is, but because of what he's done for us. All of those things are, are, are you know, it's worth serving him for that. But God never actually asks us to serve him just for who he is. It's interesting. He actually is the one who keeps enticing us with rewards. Keeps telling us that there's something offered to us. He's the one that keeps doing that. He's the one who's offered heaven. He's the one who offers great rewards. In fact, he himself, Jesus, when he was on earth, he would talk about things like you know, if you if you suffer for my name's sake, or if you if you pray in private, I'll reward you openly. There he keeps the one who kept talking about often about the reward that would come at the end of it. So God likes to entice us with the reward. And we, I, I don't think it's wrong to say, hey, we ought to serve him even if we don't get the rewards. But it's not really. It's not in our nature. We're not built that way. Remember Paul when he talked about the resurrection of Jesus and he said, listen, if there's no resurrection, then eat, drink, and be merry. Don't, you don't need to spend your time serving God. He says, for tomorrow we die. In other words, just because God is great and everything, that's not enough. We, God, God knows that we need the reward To keep going and if you can do it without that well, you're you're better than than almost everyone we we all serve god not only because of who he is and what he's done for us but what he offers us as well and it's it's not wrong the the motives aren't wrong if you say i look forward to heaven i look forward to eternal life i look forward to the 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 good things that god offers In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35, it says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which, your confidence, meaning your faith, do not cast away your confidence, which has what? Say it with me. Great reward, great reward. Do not cast your confidence away because there is great reward. So God wants to entice us with that. And that's what we're going to look at. Let's let's go back to verse number one. And he talks kind of, it's not really a definition, but it it is. um, he's given us insight into the concept of faith. Now he says, Now faith, that is trust, belief, confidence, faith, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not, not seen. Another translation says, Instead of is the substance, it's the assurance or the conviction of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What our faith is, is a visual, it is a it is something to grasp onto for the thing that we hope for. And he says, this is what faith is. And then he says, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony or Another translation says approval, and the reason it says that is because the testimony isn't their testimony, it's the testimony of God. Who are the others? Well, he's got a whole list here. And if you've ever read the 11th chapter, you know that there's, it's oftentimes referred to as the hall of faith. We're looking at great men and women throughout the, the Old Testament who did great things because of faith, and they received a great reward as a result, and he uses them to help us, and he picks out certain things. I mean, some of these great men and women of faith have a lot of things you could pick out of their life that shows faith, but there are certain things picked out specifically, and in some cases, they're picked out, and you would think, that wouldn't be the one I'd choose. It seems like there's greater things that they did but th- this one is picked out because the writer wants to bring out a truth about how that p- particular situation where faith was, was expressed in it brought a certain kind of reward. And that's what we're looking at. And, and so he starts with an illustration in verse 3. This is the first illustration where he says, by faith we understand... That the worlds were framed by the word of God, and so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, as believers, we believe the, the first verse of the uh, of uh, and and the rest of the Bible. We believe the first, the first chapter, the the second chapter, the third chapter of the Bible, where and and because you but you have to start with the first one, and that is, in the beginning, God created, God made the heavens and earth. That's where it starts. It starts with the belief, and we know that how God did it. We know that by by revelation, God spoke, and what He says here is in fact that the things which we see were, not, were made by things we don't see. That would be the word of God. And it's interesting because the things that the scriptures say about creation are being confirmed even greater by science today. As science moves forward, it seems to catch up with the Bible. And, uh, and so, you know, the, just the idea that out of nothing came everything. That's what the scriptures say. And quite frankly, that is what science is saying today too. The, the theory, for instance, let, let, let me just, the, the theories that have contradicted, the, the theories that have contradicted the Bible, the, the scientific theories that have contradicted the Bible are in scientific crisis right now. For instance, the theory of evolution is in a scientific crisis. In fact, it's bankrupt. And it's not just me who's saying it. One one of the things that has really pushed it, um, you know, moved it quite rapidly toward this is the theory of intelligent design. And um, it's pressured the evolutionists to respond to their contradictions. And uh, Stephen Meyer and Douglas Axe and many others who have written on this subject scientifically have in fact caused the scientific community to start to have to deal with um, the irregularities, the contradictions, the major, major problems with the, the theory of evolution. Like, um, you know, it, it, irreducible complexity that, you know, that the idea that, uh, a cell, which is an incredibly complex, incredibly complex, um, you know, uh, uh, it, it's like a, a city, and and for that to just instantly just pop into existence. In fact, the scientific community doesn't really deal with first life; it really ignores it because it's so it's so difficult to grasp. If there is no, if there is no intelligent being who's behind it all, and so um, th- things things have become very difficult for those who are believing in evolution. In fact, the the British Royal Society of Science, which is probably it's the, it's the oldest, the most well known. It's you know it's where um, you know Einstein uh, spoke, and it's where you know uh, isaac newton and and uh, and so many other great scientists proposed their theories. The theory of evolution was actually proposed there uh, just a little over three years ago. They were forced to have a gathering. this is what they do annually. The top scientists of the world in certain categories will gather they gather together probably the the majority of them were in the the field of biology, but others were were there as well. And they had to deal with the fact that over 10 years, a decade prior to their meeting, most of the white papers were about the problems with neo-Darwinism, the the, the theory of evolution. And because all these papers were coming out saying, this cannot, you know, this doesn't work, this isn't going to work, this... The, the evolution cannot answer these questions. It doesn't work here. And all these things were coming together. They decided to have their, their gathering as a, a, you know, to, to deal with it. And when they did, and, and, and their, 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 they came to their conclusions, they were saying that Darwinism is really bankrupt. That you cannot take Darwin's you know, thesis and take what he taught and, and apply it today because it doesn't work. There's too many problems that cannot be fixed. And but instead of looking to mo- the most logic an- logical answer, which is it, is the intel- you know is the um, intelligent design theory, kind of can, can God be added to it? No, you can't do that. It's got to be on- only a materialistic answer. So, they came to the conclusion that Darwinism surely, surely is bankrupt, but we believe in Darwinism or, or evolution, they call it this, Evolution 2.0. Now, Evolution 2.0 is very interesting because when you ask them, what is Evolution 2.0, their answer is, we don't know, we have to find out. <laughs> because... It has to be a materialistic answer. So, so then the argument has come, the, the, or the, I shouldn't say argument, but, but kind of the debate, uh, simple debate has come. When will the scientific community, when will it trickle down into the universities? And when will this information p- finally get into, you know, the schools and, and um, you know, the textbooks and all of that? And some were saying as soon as maybe five years. This was, you know, over three years ago. Maybe as soon as five years. Others were saying, no, 15 or 20. And they said because they can't handle it. There's a problem. So your upper echelon of scientists have already come to the conclusion that, that evolution is bankrupt, we have to come to another evolutionary answer, but we don't know what it is. And, but we have to do that because we cannot believe in intelligent design. Now, that is, that is, you know, that's true of other disciplines as well. Cosmology, you know, when when we when um, when astronomers look at the the sky, and of course. If you remember Einstein, he he and for you know many had the idea of an eternal universe, eternal you know that um, the material world, the material universe, is eternal. And so, because you kind of have to have one of two things, you have to believe that that the universe and the material of the universe is eternal. Matter is eternal. Or you have to believe in an eternal God who created it. That, that's kind of the two main categories. You, 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 you don't have much else to go with in that. You, you can maybe redefine who that God is and how that power works. But, but basically, that's where you're, you're stuck with. And so, but, and, and Einstein actually believed that. And he said the greatest mistake he made in his in, in his, um in his, in his life, scientifically, was to believe that, actually, when he was disproved by Hubble that the universe was expanding. He thought it was a static universe, it was eternal, and that was his conclusion. And when he did, then when it was proven that the universe is expanding, of course, if it's expanding, that means it started somewhere, and that's where you get the Big Bang Theory. The idea of an explosion of some sort. God directed, God ordained, God made, or what have you. However you, you kind of go down that road. I have a a, a theory based upon what I believe would actually happen. and um, And it isn't really along the lines of science. It's more along the lines of what the scripture says. But the point simply being is science has said it had a beginning. And if it had a beginning, well, then... It, what it's saying is that it started kind of in line with what the scripture says. In fact, Robert Jastrow, um, an astronomer, said this For the astronomer who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance, he is about to conquer the highest peak. As he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. In other words, the Bible's got it right, and they're finally catching up, is what he's saying. Now, in recent times, and I know some of you could care less about this, but some of you are really interested, you've heard of uh, the the um, multi-universe theory, Multiverses. Like there's, there's, there's actually uh, um, Stephen Hawking actually t- ha brought this. He probably to the forefront, and the idea that there are just an eternal amount of universes, and we're just one of who knows um, billions, trillions, an eternal amount of universes, and we popped in and. The reason why, by the way, there's not one shred of evidence for that. Not one. But the reason that theory has popped up is because it's very simple. Because it's an admission to the fact that the idea that the universe could exist in its current form by accident is so highly impossible we have to come up with something else. You see, it, 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 it's, our universe is so finely tuned, it just yells out that there was a designer who was pretty brilliant, you know, and, and pretty powerful. It just yells that out. There's, you can't get around that. So, and the fact is there's only one universe, and it has a, you know, a, a so-called time frame that is given in that universe. Everyone has to go, that's a miracle. That, and, and you can't get your head around the possibility of that happening by chance. So what you do is you admit it's not really possible in one universe. Let's make an eternal amount of universes. Now, those universes can't produce life. Those produce, you know, they're, they're all messed up and everything else. But one out of maybe trillions and trillions and trillions pops up, and it has life. Now, you, feel, you can kind of relax. <laughs> maybe that's more possible, you see. Oh, so you know there's more. Well, we believe there has to be. Why? Because I will not accept the idea that there is a God who created it all. So I have to keep. See, man's, as long as man has an imagination, he can escape belief in God. And God has given him imagination to use it, not for that reason, but we do. So why, why the intellect is able to get us to believe in an intelligent being is the creator. The Bible says that. Heaven deca- declare the glory of God and the firmament his handiwork. We, we, we see, Rom- Romans 1 says, that when we look at creation, it just says that th- it, it, it speaks about he or you know, wh- whatever it is that created. We, kn- we can learn things by creation, that there was a creator. The only problem is, it also tells us this, by that knowledge, it doesn't get us to the full truth it only gets us part of the way it gets us uh, that it, th- that can be co- you can come to that and it's logical you look at creation you look at its complexity you look at you know how amazing it is you hold a baby in your hand and you go this happened by accident you know one dna strand in one of your cells would would fill up 48 uh, encyclopedia sets and and in all of your cells, it will fill up the earth. I mean, if it, 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 it was uh, the DNA was uh, was simply a letter on a page, I mean it's 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 way too complex. But it gets us somewhere. There's a God, but it doesn't get us to our Savior. That has to come by revelation. And the believer believes what the Scripture says that the Word of God was spoken. God spoke. That's how it actually happened. This, this, this all-knowing, intelligent being who started this whole thing, he actually has a name. And he, is, he, he actually sent his son. And he actually created the universe by breathing. And if, by breathing life into us and, and speaking the universe into existence. And if you can believe that, Well, you're on your way to a life of faith because you can believe that. You can believe other things. And that faith produces all kinds of things in our life. And I told you at the beginning that it was a kind of faith that brings reward. It isn't just faith. We all have faith. You had faith today when you drove here and you went through what you saw was a green light. And you had faith that the guy coming the other way would stop at the red light. You had faith, you have faith, we have faith in all kinds, we do all kinds of things by faith, but that kind of faith has some kinds of reward, but it doesn't have the reward that we're talking about. This reward is a reward in trusting God's word, believing God, and putting your faith completely in him. And what he does now is he gives us some examples of this playing out in people's lives. Look what it says in verse four. "By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it and, and through it he being dead, still speaks. Now he takes us back to the beginning of, of, of the Genesis, the Bible, and we have Cain and Abel. The you know the two boys of of Adam and Eve, and um, and they one is a you know a rancher and one's a farmer. The farmer comes with the you know his produce and and all of that. The rancher comes and he sacrifices an animal and they bring it to God as a sacrifice. And God looks at the animal sacrifice to Abel and he says and 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 approves it. We don't know how it's approved, but they know. God approves that sacrifice. The sacrifice that was brought because of the vegetables, maybe God's not vegan. Um, but, you know, it, it, but it's not accepted. Now, here's the reason. It isn't because one's animal and one's, and one's vegetable. That's not the reason. The Bible actually tells us why. It says that Abel's offering was given in faith. But Cain's offering was not given in faith. Now, faith was the difference in that. And the writer wants to bring out and show us the reward of faith. It's interesting, the one who has faith is the one who gets killed. Cain kills his brother, right? Because he has faith. And because he's accepted and because he's jealous that his brother, even though God would have, in fact, accepted Cain's sacrifice, He gave him an opportunity to, to 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 bring a sacrifice of faith, but He didn't. And so He kills his brother. But while he's dead, you know, God comes to Cain and says, "What have you done?" And he says, "I'm not my brother's keeper." I, you know, denying it. He says, "I heard your brother's the, the voice." The voice the coming from your, the blood of your brother speaks, speaks, still speaks. I know. I'm hearing your brother. Now, the writer is taking that, and he's saying this. He's saying, that man of faith, the reward is he's still alive. Do you see that? He says, that man of faith is still alive. He says... Notice it says, God testifying of his gift and through it he, he being dead still speaks. It's kind of what Jesus said when he said the person, you know, he says, those who, who believe in me, though they were dead, yet shall they live. And he who believes in me will never really die. That's, that, that faith it produces. It, what does it produce? The reward is simply eternal life. <clears throat> eternal life. <clears throat> Jesus talked about exceeding great rewards, and one of the w- rewards is of faith—the right kind of faith, faith in Christ and what He's accomplished. The reward is eternal life. I'm going to ask you: Do you think that's a well-worth a well reward pursuing? Do you think that's a good one to have? You think, do you think, in fact, is there anything that you would maybe work toward today in your life that could compare to that one? I mean, you know, some of you have a good lunch ready for you, and, and uh, maybe you, you made it in advance, and you really can't wait to get home. Please wait until the service is over. I know I'm ma- making some of you hungry. Um, I don't want to mention In-N-Out Burger or anything like that, but the point simply being, we get... You know, there are a lot of things, maybe it's a career, maybe it's the pursuit, I mean there's some pretty good things you can pursue in your life, maybe your pursuit is just to have a wonderful, healthy, great family, that's a good one, right? Maybe it's the car, the new car you've been saving up for, you can't wait to get that Ferrari, I'm sure there's quite a few of you looking to get that. I want to go for a ride if you do. But point, simple, simple point, right? How does anything compare to that? What a reward. What, what a reward of faith. And that's what he's telling us. He says, listen, even though this man was killed, his would reward, even though, even though his faith in fact, in some ways, was the result. I mean, caused death. It caused the persecution. Because he was a man of faith, that's what caused it, was the jealousy because he was a man of faith that caused his death. Was it still worth it? Would martyrdom be worth it? If you were, in fact, even killed for your faith, would it be worth it? And I think the reward is well worth it. And that's what the writer is saying Is he's giving us an example of what happened and then he moves on in verse 5 and he talks about another guy kind of a strange story. It's about this guy named Enoch. He says, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and, and, uh, and was not found because God had taken him for before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. This guy Enoch, there's not really much about him. You know, he lived, he had, in fact, I think probably his name to fame, other than this amazing thing that happened, was he, his son was the, lived to be the oldest man who ever lived, Methuselah. But, but Enoch, actually, the Bible says, his great, you know, the great, um, accomplishment was he went for a walk. And um, he, he decided, the Bible says he walked with God. He went for a walk with God. You ever go for a walk with God? I bet you've never gone for a walk like that walk. <laughs> you wouldn't be here. He went for a walk with God, and as he was going for a walk with God, it seemed like God says, you know, we're closer to my house than yours. Why don't you spend the night? And the Bible says God took him he never died. That's his story. And uh, and it's an amazing one. Now, the writer pulls out of this that because what it does say about this man is that he pleased God. Don't you want that to be kind of your story too? You please God. We all do. If we're Christians, if we, want, we want that to be our story. We please God. And... Uh, and then he pulls from that scripture that says he pleased God and says this, which no one would, would debate, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So Enoch must have been a man of faith. See, and because Enoch was a, a man of faith, he received something amazing. And then it goes on and says, so without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a, re- a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now I want you to, to hone in on this. It says, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Everybody say rewarder. Rewarder. What is, what is who gets the reward? Those who diligently seek him. What is the reward? What are they seeking after? Him. You see, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What is he seeking? Him. So what's the reward? Him. The greatest reward of God himself. That's the reward. The reward is God. The reward of faith, this kind of faith, is God. So what reward can you have that compares to that one? I mean, what, really, I mean, what, 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 what present you think you might get for Christmas that might, you know, might compare with that? See, Enoch, he just walked with God. What's he saying? He he had this relationship with God. This is a reward of faith. The right kind of faith. The, The faith in Christ enters you into a reward of having a relationship with God. And he just walked with God through the day. And he experienced God. And he loved God. And God loved him. And he enjoyed God. And the reward for his faith was God. Can you get a better reward than that? See, for the Christian, (laughs) heaven should not be a surprise, or I shouldn't say it that way. I say heaven should not be a strange place because the person you talk to every day will be there to greet you when you get there. See, it shouldn't be a surprise. God is not a surprise to us, not as followers of Jesus, because we have a relationship with him. The one who talks to you, the one you talk to, the one you sense, you feel his presence in your life because of the Holy Spirit. That's your reward. And there's nothing greater than that reward. The Bible says, "If, if you seek me, you will find me, if you search for me with all of your heart, if you pursue God, ah, you'll find God. You'll discover his greatness. You'll discover his goodness. You'll discover his love. You'll, dif- you'll discover his personality. You know, in our deeper course, one of the things we go into, right, in in, in our deeper two session, one of the sessions is about the emotions of God. You know how God has emotions. God has a personality. It's a it's a. He, he actually is a person. And we discover that through the scriptures. That the emotions of God. The, the makeup of God. The nature of God. What he is like. Well, we discover that in most in our in, interchange with God on a daily basis. Our relationship. Our friendship. Our growth with God. When we walk with God. Abraham... In one of the more difficult things in his places in his life, where he was pursuing God to fulfill a promise, it tells us in Genesis 15, the, the Lord said to him, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Listen to this, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, get this, and your exceeding great reward. I'm your reward. See, God is our reward. The reward of faith is God himself. I don't think you can get on a higher plane than that. I don't think you can get a better present than that. I don't think there's anything you can pursue in your life that tops that. And God gives it freely as we, uh, uh, as we commune with him in faith. The reward of the, the third one is found here in verse 7. I, and, and that's Look at what it says. By faith, Noah, divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Now, God warns him. What did God give him? A word, right? He believed the word. And then, because he believed the word, God gave him, God, God gave him direction. God told him what to do. And so he did it. He prepared the ark, and then it says, in this phrase right here, "For the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world, became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith." Now, it says, "He condemned the world." I want to just kind of do that. How did he condemn the world by making the art? Well, by because he believed, and others didn't believe. Well, they were they, they were condemned justly. Is proof that a man could, in fact, believe the word of God, and because one believed, others are then responsible too for believing, and they didn't. And it, and and it's it's a responsibility. But there's condemnation that comes not necessarily even by word. I remember the story of Billy Graham. Billy Graham had gone golfing, and one this one guy ended up joining the. The group for the golf, the round of golf. This guy was not a believer. The story goes that they finished a round of golf, and this guy um, that was with them, he came back to his car and he slammed his his clubs down. He was just mad. He was just cursing. He was he was really angry. And uh, and his friend who saw it came over. While well, his friend was a Christian. And his friend came over and said, hey, what's going on? you okay? What's, what's the problem? He says, I just did a round of golf with Billy Graham. He says, and he just preached at me the whole time. He would just, he just, you know, he, he wouldn't, he just, he wouldn't stop. And uh, and the guy says, that that doesn't really sound like Billy Graham. I mean, I could see him sharing his faith, but it sure, certainly doesn't sound like him. What did he say to you? And the guy put his head down, kind of for a minute and said, well, he didn't actually say anything. Because your voice, oh, we need to speak. But our voice, the condemnation, the condemnation that happened to Abel was not because he said anything, but because he did something that brought a jealousy and a conviction and a reality that he had not that Cain had not pleased God. We in our lives face some of those same things. But the story of Noah is this. Noah was told to build the the ark, not a boat. An ark for the saving, look at what it says, for the saving of his household. In other words, The reward of saving others is the reward of faith is the reward of saving others as well. Have you ever led somebody to Jesus? Have you ever been instrumental in telling someone about Christ and they come to Christ and you're able to actually pray with them to accept Jesus? Ever have that happen? If you have, you know the joy of that experience. It's just incredibly wonderful. You feel that joy. When you know you've helped change the direction of that person's life for eternity. Or maybe you actually weren't the one that actually did it, but you were instrumental. Your life ca- caused them because you loved on them. They become open. Maybe you're the one that they said to that other person, yeah, I know this other Christian that has really been such a good person in my life. Or this person who's been loving. And, and the story is that you have influ- influenced their life for eternity. Imagine in heaven, somebody tapping you on the shoulder and say, you're the one. The reason I'm here, because you shared the good news, because you loved on me, because you made a difference in my life. Do you think that's a pretty good reward? Do you think that's something you'll be happy to experience the reward of? Because your faith makes a difference in people's lives? In so many different ways. We. Last week we talked about what we're going to try to do to help these um, you know, orphans and so forth that, that we could help them and, and encourage them. I mean, there's just so many ways in which Christians can make a difference in people's lives in so many ways in serving and loving and caring for others. That's a reward in itself. In itself, it's a reward. And then finally, um, it tells us That there is a reward, there's an inheritance also that comes with it. And look at what it says. It says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. So, you go out, you're going to receive an inheritance. There's a land I'm giving to you. That's what God said to him. I'm not telling you where you're going. God does that often. He just lets us take the first step. You follow this, and I'll tell you the next one. I'm not going to give you the whole picture. You, you don't have faith to get that far. You have faith to get to the next destination. I'm only going to do that, but that's going to take faith. You're going to be stretched, even in that. Abraham, leave what you got. Go to a land that you don't know. I'll tell you when you, when you get there that you got there. We'll, find, we'll, we'll make sure we get you there. Just do what I'm asking you. And he went out, not knowing where he was going, it says. And by faith he dwelt in the land of promise. Now this is the land of promise, but he dwelt in it as, a, as it was a foreign country. In other words, he spent his whole life in the land that God says was his inheritance, but he lived like a foreigner in the land. He didn't live like it was his house, his home. Why? Because he lived in, a ten- in tents. He never established a building, a house, a house. He never built a house for himself. He lived in tents, and he he was like, and and he roamed around the country in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with whom, uh, of the same promise. Why did he do that? It tells us why. For he waited for a city, which foundation, whose builder and maker was God. He never saw that land as being the permanent place for now. He looked for something far greater beyond a city. It's called the New Jerusalem that will come down from heaven, that will be the the place and even even though his children through lineage are in the land many of them are in the land and it is being established and it is growing and it's waiting for the coming return of Jesus Christ when Jesus returns there's a city coming with him. That's an amazing story, and you read that in the book of Revelation and what that looks like. But that's what Abraham was looking for. He was looking for his inheritance in which everything that God has is his. That's the inheritance. God has, gives an inheritance that is everything that he has. Right now we get to use what he has, then we will own everything he owns. It is ours. So what new thing can compare with that? Any of you buying a new house? It's a piece of junk <laughs> compared to what he have ahead. Yeah. Oh, it might be beautiful. Oh, it doesn't compare. See that's the point faith produces rewards far greater than anything you'll ever have here and this is all futuristic there's some some of these wonderful promises are for now what happens now but these things are looking to the promise of god the rewards of god the blessings of god and and folks it's because we believe now here's how faith works and I'm over time, so I'm going to close real quick. Some people think this is Christian faith. It's a leap of faith. I used to do um, long jump in school. Now I can jump about three feet. <laughs> but they think it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a leap of faith. It's not. God never expects Christians to leap The leap of faith. For the Christian, actually, it's a reasonable faith. Don't let anyone. This is the way the world wants you to think of your faith. Oh, you're just people of faith. In other words, you're blind faith. Christians never have blind faith. I mean, I shouldn't say that. Some Christians have blind faith. But you don't have to. You can have your eyes wide open, and you can see that your faith is reasonable. This is what Paul wrote about when he talked about the resurrection, And and how important of us knowing that there's good, solid foundation for the resurrection. People saw him. People lived with him, ate with with him for 40 days. They saw the ascension. All the disciples but one who wouldn't die, all all of them were willing to die. And without recanting the fact that they said they saw the risen Christ, along with hundreds of others who saw the risen Jesus Christ. That is reasonable faith. We believe that God created the heavens. That's reasonable. It actually has, takes less faith to believe that an almighty creator created the universe than it does to believe that material created itself. It takes more faith to believe in multiple billions and trillions of universes with no evidence at all than to simply believe that some Power, intelligent being outside of the material world created it, God himself. So it's not a leap of faith. It's a step of faith. It's reasonable faith. And that faith is in a creator. It's also, it's in a savior. Because we have, we have intelligence will get you to believe in a creator. Revelation will get you to know the creator. And so this is it. And I want to speak to those who are watching online, anybody here who finds themselves in this place. And you go, I really need God. And he wants to reveal himself to you. But you have to open your heart to that and trust him. Trust his word. His word says, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. The scripture tells us if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so it's a simple act of faith. But it's not a jump. It's just a step. You believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. He was buried and rose again. And you simply can pray this prayer. I'll just help you with it. It's not the prayer. It's your faith. You say, dear God, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And because Jesus, you died for my sins, I ask you to cleanse me from all of my sins. Lord, I won't make excuses. I've failed you. But I ask you to cleanse my soul. I ask for your mercy. I believe you were buried and you conquered death, so I receive you as my Savior. I put my faith in you, Jesus, not in anything else. My faith is in you for my eternal existence alone, and I trust you, and I ask you to help me to follow you from now on, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that and you meant that, um, let us know. Go to our website at ccanaheim.com and just tell us that you accepted Christ. We'll help you with your walk with God. We'll get you started in your walk with God, send a Bible to you if you need it and any information to get you started so you can grow to go for a walk with God. Who knows? Maybe you'll be like Enoch. Actually, it's kind of possible, it's kind of likely in our lifetime you'll go for a walk and you won't come back.
1: <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> You stand with us as we close in worship. Your love's so great, Jesus, in all things. I've seen a glimpse of your heart a billion years. Still I'll be singing. How can I praise you in love? You You are the Lord Almighty Outshining all the stars in glory Your love is like the wildest ocean Oh, nothing else compares Creation calls For your praise In earth and sky No one is higher Our God of wonders You reign Our God of wonders You reign You reign You are the Lord Almighty Outshining all the stars In glory like the wildest ocean, oh, nothing else compares, you are the Lord Almighty, outshining all the stars in glory, your love is like the wildest ocean, oh, nothing else compares, Stop. Hey God bless you, church. Be blessed as you go. We will see you Wednesday night. Not to us, but to your name. shining all the stars in glory your love is like the wildest ocean oh nothing else can us, not to us but to your name we lift up all praise not to us but to your